video, we are in our series, Get Real. Uh, and I'm excited about it. We're looking at the book of 1 John, uh, and it's in the New Testament near the end. Um, but we're looking at this idea of, of being real. And let's be honest, a lot of times when we think about being real, we don't think that church is the place to do it. Right? Church is often the place that you do exactly what was happening there. You put on the makeup, you put on your pretend, because at church, all those people are good, right? They're all good, and I can't go there because they're perfect, and if I do, I better pretend to be perfect. The truth is, and I love, you know, 1 John, is that we have the freedom to be real. We have the freedom to share our doubts, to share our struggles, to share our unbelief. We have the freedom to share about our sins and then find healing together, because God takes us where we're at, but he doesn't want to leave us. It's not just be real and then be real in our mess, right? But be real, and then God has a plan to, to, to lead us along and take us his way for our good. And so today, we are looking at a pretty black and white picture. Um, and maybe you've had this opportunity in your life, maybe not, to choose God or not. Have you ever had one of those choices just that blatant right in front of you? When I was uh, 16... I really did feel called to be a missionary. Um, I was blessed to grow up in a great home. Um, I was blessed to fall in love with Jesus young, um, and I was going to be a missionary. I went to college. I was going to be a missionary. That was my, my whole plan. Um, and then God kind of said no to that. I said, okay, well, then maybe I'll be a pastor. I'll be in full-time ministry. God said no to that. So it was one of those, okay, what, what are we going to do with our lives? And, and I witnessed those be, you know, godly people, really missionaries in their life as business people, employees, employers. So I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start a business, build it, and get wealthy, right? I mean, that was my goal, be financially independent so maybe I can retire early, go into ministry, and not have to get paid. Then I have the freedom to go whatever it is. Um, and that freedom sounded really good. But also the idea to have the money sounded pretty good. So I'm like, right? Um, this sounds good. I'm going to go this way. A few years in, right, doing business, whatever, um, ups and downs, finally kind of found a niche. And, and business was about to get really good. I mean, it had been good. And it's like, okay, this is going to work. At that moment, God gave me the opportunity to go into ministry. Like, Right then. So, okay, here's your choice. Here's what you wanted to do. Now, here's your plan. Now, are you serious? Do you really have, am I really committed fully to God in this opportunity to serve him full time? And what it would mean was the financial freedom thing, that's gone, right? I mean, it's pretty much a guarantee that I'm going to be working till the day I die, you know, needing a paycheck. Is that okay, right? Um, I'm not going to have the freedom that I would. And so I, I really, this was one of those kind of cool opportunities that God gave me to choose. Um, and he didn't give me the opportunity two years before when, um, you know, we couldn't pay our bills, right? When, I mean, this was 07, all of us could pay our bills. And he didn't give me that opportunity then. He didn't give me that opportunity seven years before when I hated the job that I was in. He waited till I was doing something I kind of liked and was going to make really good money. He said, make the choice. Now, I do believe we made the right choice in that time. Um, and I share that story so you think more of me. <laughs> because... I'll be honest, there's been plenty of other times in my life where I have those choices and I made the wrong choice, right? Where it's, it's God's way or the world's way, and I'm like, I kind of want to do this for a little bit. Now, I'm encouraged in my life, those have been short-lived, but I failed in that choice absolutely at times. What about you? Have you ever had those choices where it's, okay, there's God's way or there's this way? And I'll be honest, I want this way. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to choose this, right? I want God I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to be a Jesus freak. I want to be seen as weird. I also want all this stuff, right? I work hard. I deserve fill in the blank, whatever it is. 
you know, we have a, an epidemic in the American church, and it's not COVID. It's double-mindedness. It is. It's double-minded Christians who say, I want to follow Jesus, but I also want, again, fill in the blank, whatever it is that's opposed to God. Grab your Bible, if you would, um, and if you don't have one, there's a good app that you can open up and look at that, or there's one in the seat in front of you or behind you, and I'm going to cheat. I'm going to help you cheat. It's page 1,123. So here's something kind of cool about the Bible. It was written over a span of about 1,500 years by 60-some authors, or 40-some authors, uh, 66 books. It's pretty amazing how it's all put together. We're looking at one little letter written by John, who was probably the youngest apostle, the youngest follower of Jesus. And he wrote the book of John, the Gospel of John, um, telling Jesus' story from that perspective. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he was the one who received the revelation and wrote the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so John, it, a lot, he talks a lot of children. It's kind of like a father to us as children, trying to lead us God's way. And last week we focused on blessed assurance. John really wanted to encourage Jesus' followers, you are saved. You can be confident that when you die, you're going to heaven. You can be confident that you have God, the one and only God, in your corner at all times. You can know that this is true in your life. And we saw there's kind of three ways. One, truth. The first way is we believe the right things, that Jesus, the Son of God, fully deity, died on the cross, rose from the dead for our sins. We recognize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe you did that for me. And that, he, again, he rose bodily from the dead victorious. So we believe that, and that's how we're saved. Then there's some evidence and again, we're not saved by works, so don't think you got to go be good. It's just recognizing you can't be good, and God did this. Jesus did this for you. But there's some evidence, and we saw in obedience. There's evidence. If you look at your life and you look at Scripture, you're like, yeah, I don't want to do any of this stuff, and I don't. There's some evidence there. Maybe you don't really believe. There's evidence of obedience, and then there's evidence of love. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is evidence of a heart changed by God. And that's what we're moving in a little bit today. We got the assurance last week, and now John, as a good dad, is trying to teach us even more with some warnings. Last week, there weren't as many warnings. It was, be assured if you see these things. Now there's going to be some warnings of, if you don't see these things, maybe you shouldn't have assurance, but his goal isn't, you know, like to hit us over the head. His goal is to encourage us, to teach us. I mean, I picture him teaching this with a smile. Uh, maybe you grew up in church, or you've seen that, the angry, rah, rah, rah. Like, I, I don't think anybody in the Bible, except for Jesus, sometimes <laughs> was doing that, and that was with religious leaders. Here, this is more of a dad appealing, hey, look at your life. Let's get real. Let's look at what you love. Let's look at this. Where are you with our Father? And so we're going to look at two verse, three verses, not too many. 1 John chapter 2 starting in verse 15. Again, this is page 1,123 in your Bible. And it is, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Holy Spirit, I, I ask you right now to enlighten our hearts to the truths of this scripture. 
Um, God, you had John write this for a reason, and you have us in this room right now for a reason. I, I ask that you would do what you want to do. Um, if you want to encourage us, encourage us. Uh, if you want to convict us, convict us. God, do what you want. We're here to worship you because you're worth it and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have two commands here, right? He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Again, it looks like he's speaking to believers, those who have already said, I believe in Jesus and I'm following him. Now he's given some instructions, but then he's given an example of those who might not actually belong to him to compare. And it's pretty black and white. Uh, he's really given us this, this idea of you need to choose God, right, or not. It, it's black and white. You can't have your cake and eat it too, which I have no idea what that means. Um, but we all know what it means. Um, but if I have cake, I'm going to eat Like, what's the point? Here's the cake. Don't eat it. But, but he, what he's saying, right, is you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have the world and God. You need to make a choice. He's pretty black and white here. We must choose between loving God and loving the world. We cannot have both. We cannot have both. Again, hopefully we read this and it gives us assur more assurance of salvation. Possibly, because God is so good, we'll see this and go, I don't have that assurance, but I want to get it. And he leads us to there also of how to get that assurance. But, but he's saying we must choose, right? We can't be on the fence, like, yeah, I'll, I'll have God some and I'll have the world some, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. No, he's saying we must choose. Now, he says, don't love the world. What does that mean? Like trees? I really love trees. Dogs? Not so much, um, <laughs> right? Uh, but we look at the, we lo I love, I mean, the weather today. I, I love it, right? Lake Tahoe, who doesn't love Lake Tahoe, right? That's not what he's talking about. Or, or the people, right? I look at you, I love half of you, right? I, I, but, but really, I mean, we look at people, we love people. What is he talking about? Because all this is in the world, Right? There's nature, there's people. That's not what he's talking about at all. Right? In John 3, 16, the one verse maybe all of us know, for God so loved the world. So he, God loved the world. He's telling us to not love the world. World is used really in a few different ways in Scripture. World referring to earth. Um, that's absolutely the, the world. World referring to the people of the world. And in John 3, 16, that's what he's saying, for God so loved the world, meaning all the people of the world, every single one, every tongue, every nation, every single one, from the littlest baby to the oldest grandpa, he loves, right? Or there's the third way, is the world systems. And that's what he's talking about here. The world systems that are organized against God. And we're going to see later in this book, and we see it all over scripture, those world systems really do have a leader, and it is the devil. There is an enemy, his name is Satan, there are demons. He doesn't talk about it in this passage, so we're not going to talk about it a lot. But this world system is organized against God. So this is in your notes. Again, if you're a note taker, this is referring to the world system, culture, and society that is opposed to God. Uh, these are the, the fallen and sinful replacements to God. Now, we look at the world, and, and I think this one struck me, but the world is so different. The world systems. And they're differently anti-God, right? You look at communism. You're like, that's obviously anti-God. You know, for the most part, it's illegal to be a Jesus follower. Bibles are illegal in those places. That is anti-God. But then what about Muslim countries that have Sharia law? Like, they're very religious. Their whole culture is built around worshiping God. It's the wrong God. <laughs> it's, right? They, they, they call him Allah. It's not the real God. Their, their book was written by one man, Muhammad, who was illiterate. 
and claimed that he got this stuff from God and told someone, and they wrote it down. And so it's all built on, on a lie. And it's, it's leading people away from God. Or how about here in the West? We have this uh, individualistic hedonism that really does pull us away from God. This you deserve whatever it is. Do what makes you happy. I mean, golly, isn't that the, the tune? What makes you happy? Do that. That's going to lead you away from God. And, and the weird part is, as we go toward God, we get more happiness when we actually do life his way. But the world says, no, come this way, come this way. Be happy. Do these things. Here's the point. The world is dangerous. I want you to get that. And I think John wants us to understand, the world is dangerous. Think of parents when your kids were little and you're warning them, hey, when you leave this door, the world is dangerous. There's this pavement out there. There's cars going fast. Don't walk in it, right? If your ball goes out in the street, don't run out there. You're going to get smashed. If somebody pulls up to the curb and says, hey, I have some candy, don't go to the car, right? Uh, we, we wanted to actually test Lydia when she was younger because she had never met a stranger. She's now almost 18. Uh, but she was little, right, going through the grocery store. It's like, hey, my name's Lydia. What's your, right? We're like, we wanted to get a friend that she hadn't met and have them drive by and be like, hey, come here and see if she would, just to scare her. We never did that. Um, but as parents, we're trying, right, we know the world is dangerous. John is saying the same thing. The world is dangerous spiritually. There's one truth. There's one God. In the Old Testament, his name is Yahweh, I am. He revealed himself in Jesus Christ, one way. And the world is saying anything but that. Anything but that. The world is dangerous. If you claim to love God, but the evidence is that you love the world, what's he say? You're lying. He says this earlier. If you claim to have fellowship with God, but you walk in darkness, you're a liar. He says this several times. If you claim to have no sin... You're also a liar. This is the religious person in church. Oh, I'm perfect. He's like, liar? <laughs> no, you're not. We know you're not. This is why we're free to be real, right? He's putting right here, we know you're not perfect, so you don't have to pretend. But here, again, if you love the world, but you claim to love God, it's not true. It's not true. Matthew 6, 24 makes this very clear. This is Jesus speaking, and Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is speaking about money there, but the principle is much broader than just money. You can't have two masters. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and your profession, your job. You can't serve God and family, right? We make idols out of family. The point is, what do we make an idol out of to replace God? And it's the things in the world, the things of the world. So here's our, our little picture here. Maybe you see what's coming here. Um, but, but we've got this, right? God's way, right? Those who love God, this is what our life will look like when we love God. When, when we realize God's love for us, we give our life to him, right? We're forgiven. And then everything is perfect, all right? I mean, this is what we think. When we're realistic, we know life isn't always going to be perfect. But here's this idea of following God. We're going to obey all his commands. We're going to enjoy his love, all this. And then here's the world's way, right? And the world is like, okay, get some money. Like, money's really good. And again, I want to make clear, money's not bad. In fact, the, the Bible doesn't say money's the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So a desire for money, for good reason, it's not a bad thing. But, but a love of it, like that's my thing, is. And so here's the world's systems. All these things that we can love, and we want to mix them. We really do. I sure, in high school, this was so clear. The people in youth group and in church, we'd go to youth group, 
and then we'd go to school and we'd look a little different, right? You know, it's like, I want Jesus, I want to be saved, but I also want to do the things other people are doing, right? Um, it makes me happy. And so we want to mix them together. Like we got some of Jesus and some of the world, and it's okay. Again, this is the epidemic in the, in the church, is we want to mix them all together, some of the world, some of Jesus. And, and it feels like we can do it, right? At first, like, yeah, I'm succeeding in doing it. But the truth is, it's like oil and water. Jesus and the world, God's way and the world, they don't mix. You can't have both. So you see how it separates there. And so that it's different. There's the world's way. There's God's way. And they don't mix. And we may realize we're living fully in the world's way. And we're not there at all. Or we may look and be encouraged. No, I'm, I'm doing okay. And that's okay for us to be encouraged. Our goal when we come to church isn't to always feel guilty when we leave. It's really not. A lot of times it's encouragement. I do love God. Maybe there's some things I need to work on. But a lot of Christians, and this is the epidemic I'm talking about, they try and live in the middle, right? They're like dip back and forth. I want some, I want some of both, right? Boop, 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 boop. And John is saying here, if you're trying to live in the middle there, the evidence is you don't love God the way you think you do. And there's two audiences that should listen to this. There's the, one, there's the Christian that truly is saved, that belongs to God, and is struggling with this. Welcome to life. <laughs> I, I, honestly, all of us are going to be there some. Then there's the person who really doesn't love Jesus at all doesn't know God, that person should see this and read this and go, oh my goodness, right? I, I want to believe. I need to make some changes. And so there's two audiences here, but you can't have both. And here's the point. The true believer must experience a change of allegiance. The true believer must experience a change of allegiance. I love Colossians 1.13. Paul says this. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's Colossians 1.13. We have been captured, saved. The world system, which is dominated by the devil, which doesn't always need to be. We choose to go that way, but that's the world system. Here, when we believe in Jesus, he captures us, he saves us and transfers us, yet we're still here, right? I mean, it's the, we're still in the same jar. There's worldliness and there's got all here together, but our allegiance changes so here's a, a, the perfect picture that came to mind. I don't know if you've ever heard of Vaughn Miller. He's a great defensive and outside linebacker. Played mostly for the Broncos. Uh, won a Super Bowl. Uh, I think he was a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, anyway, really good player. He now plays for the Bills. Um, I know, kind of a bummer. But, but imagine this player, right? Bills and Broncos play. They're not playing this year. Good thing. Um, but if they did, imagine they come together and they play. And Vaughn Miller's like, I'm on the Bills. He's like, Oh, wait, we're playing the Broncos? And he, like, sneaks over to that side, right? And then, and then the Bills offense comes out, and they're like, what are you doing over there? He's like, I like this team better, right? I've been with them longer. This is where I belong, right? Give me a new jersey. That makes no sense. But that's kind of this idea, right? When we're saved, we're, we're captured by Jesus. We're transferred. But then it's like, ooh, but I kind of like some things about this team over here. I mean, Broncos, Bills, wouldn't you? I mean, if I was Von Miller, too, I, yeah, I'm going to, I kind of want to go back that way. But the world does have this pull on us. It really does. Before we're saved, pulling. After we're saved, there's still this pull. And so we are warned specifically, and we're going to move through some of these a little bit quick, but I want to see the point first. Before we see his, he has very specific warnings that are very helpful. But here's the point for, first. Look at verse 17. It says, the world is passing away along with its desires. 
but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Why does this matter? Is it because God is, is a judgmental killjoy, right, that just wants to don't do those worldly things that are fun? No, it's because those things are going to fail. They're going to fade away. They're going to turn to dust. But when we do God's will, when we get to follow him, that lasts forever. There is eternal life. There is heaven, and it's not like in a cloud up there. It's a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be physical. It's going to be awesome. And so abiding in him lasts forever. Eternal rewards that begin now. It is so beautiful. Here's another great picture. Remember Pinocchio, that old really cool cartoon? That movie scared me when I was a kid. Remember when he went to Pleasure Island? At first, and I remember watching, I'm like, that would be cool, learn to play pool and smoke a cigar and, you know, whatever. And then they start turning into donkeys, right? That was creepy. If you go back and watch it, you're like, I don't know how kids watch this. Um, but, but the point is there, right? The world entices. Wait, yeah, we can, we can have this? Like, all the games are free? I can, I can drink the root beer and, and eat the ice cream and all this stuff? But eventually, you turn into a donkey, Right? I mean, it doesn't last. The world seduces and entices, and it leads to eternal damnation. It turns to eternity apart from God, whereas Jesus fulfills forever. So let's get specific. Verse 16. Three things. All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. I love God's word. God inspired these words to help us because really as we read this, it's like, yeah, I really, I, I can get this. I can understand these boxes. We are warned against three worldly loves that are opposed to God. And by the way, these are not new. These worldly loves, these worldly temptations and enticements that, that pull people and keep people away from God and try and pull the Christian also away from God to live a life that's pointless and worthless and a waste, Right? These have been from the beginning. Remember at the beginning, Eve, Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, 6. And there's this fruit. Yeah, right. God gives Adam and Eve one instruction. Don't eat from the tree. Right. And this is not just a myth. Right. This actually happened because God created them to love him and to choose him. He wants a loving relationship with us. It's best for us. But if we don't have the choice to reject him, that's not real love. So he gives them the option of the tree. And he says, just don't eat of that. But here's Eve, Genesis 3, 6. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit. Now, don't think this is just the woman, right? When you read Genesis, Adam was with her when this happened. So they're both equally guilty. But three things. She saw it, right? She, it looked good. It looked good to eat. And it could make you wise because Satan had tempted her. No, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Ooh, right? These three different temptations in the one thing. And here's the first. The desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh. Maybe your translation says the lusts of the flesh, right? Lust, desire, same thing. Uh, lust is the way of, of going, it's not a good desire, right? Uh, it's too much. What is this desire of the flesh? Well, the flesh in Scripture most often refers to um, us in our, our fallen condition, right? We are in these bodies. We still can sin. We still are tempted to sin. We're drawn toward these things of the world. That is our flesh. But our flesh, there's certain things God created good for our flesh that we need, that we want. Food. Food is, is good, right? So, I mean, the desire to go home uh, and, and have some, some chicken and write some pie, what, that's not a bad desire. We have these desires. The problem here 
is the lust of the flesh appeals to normal appetites and tempts us to fulfill them in forbidden ways. So you take something good that God created, and right, if a little bit is good, more must be better. And so good food then can turn into to gluttony, right? Alcohol, ooh, it tastes good, but then too much, you get to drunkenness, right? Sex, God created that. It's wonderful within the parameters of one man and one woman in marriage because that's the way God designed it. But we've, we've warped that in all different A's, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it this way or I'm going to get it that way. These desires of the flesh, again, they appeal to normal appetites but tempt us to fulfill them in forbidden ways. Now, we don't want to go too far and think all desires are bad because God tells us that he creates good things for us to enjoy, which would include food, sex within marriage, cool cars. I, I mean, he gives us these things to enjoy in the right way, right? I mean, look at our world right now. We have all these things. Leisure and entertainment, I think, would fit into this, right? This, this desire of the flesh. We are so rich and there's so many things that can entertain us, we can get stuck on these things, right? We just want to fulfill these desires. So here's a test, right? If you want to test, do, do I struggle with this? There's, there's two big tests, and you've probably heard them before. You could probably tell me. But the one, how do you spend your money? How do you spend your money? Do you spend your money to fill these fleshly things, right? Uh, food, alcohol, cool cars, entertainment, right? Is, is our money going there? Are we generous givers? Scripture makes very clear that God's people, those who love him, will be generous and sacrificial givers. And so here's the first test. Are you a generous giver, right? If we can afford these things and, afford, and be generous givers, that's between us and God, absolutely. But if we're choosing these things and not giving, we're showing our love, right? Our, our hand is shown. How about our time? Where do we spend our time? How much time are you on the screen, right? For entertainment purposes. Some of us have to work there. I, I get, but are we consuming our time? Alex taught a few weeks ago that I thought was really good. Redeem the time because the days are evil, right? And we can get sucked. These desires of the flesh, this entertainment. Boop, 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 boop. I mean, I've heard this all the time. Yeah, I hopped on TikTok five hours later, <laughs> right? I look up and it's dark out. You know, these things can seduce us and draw us apart, draw us away from God. Second one, the desires of the eyes, indulging our sight. The strongest, I think here, the, the main thing here would be envy, seeing things that we don't have that we want. Those are the desires of the eyes, right? Eve looked at the, the, the apple. It looked good. Ooh, I, and here was the sin, though. I want that, right? I see a new full-size Bronco out there. I'm like, that's cool. But when it's like, I need that. Now I'm moving from, you know, that's cool. I can admire that. Or, no, I need that. I want that. What can I do to get that? That's what this is, the lust of the eyes. It's a desire for beauty and things apart from God's goodness, often leading to envy and an unhealthy desire to possess what is seen. Commercials are appealing to this. Just, right, watch commercials. You need Whatever it is, you deserve, you work hard, come get whatever it is, right? These we look at it, it's like, oh, I need that. Uh, ever heard the, the term keeping up with the Joneses? I think that falls into this, desires of the eyes. Well, they have it. I, I should have it. My, my neighbor just bought that, or, or they bought that. We live uh, right next to BLM, 
right, public land. And all the time I, I get outside and I see these cool side-by-sides going by <laughs> or, or like cool motorcycles. I'm like, that looks really cool. And I do want that. But where it gets wrong is I want it and now I'm going to do things to, to get it, right? I'm going to sacrifice in an ungodly way or whatever to get these things. The lust of the eyes is unfaithful because we're telling God that we are not content with what he's provided for us. That's the big thing about the lust of the eyes. We see it and go, God, you, you haven't given me enough. I also need that. Contentment, godly, when we love God, right, and that's what we're talking about here, our loves. When we love him, we can look at and we're grateful for what we have, right? The believer is great. They look, and I'm grateful. doesn't mean we can't look at things and go, it'd be cool to have that, and if we can afford that, great. But it's this desire beyond what is within our means, right? Um, or also, this, this lust of the eyes, I think entertainment can fit into this too. I, again, right, watching TV, whatever it is, all these things that just appeal to the eyes, and then again, time is, is gone. All right, third one. The boastful pride of life. Pride. Arrogance. This is look at me. So the lust of the eyes is I'm looking at that and I want it. The pride of life is I want you to look at me. That's the boastful pride of life. That's the whatever it is to make you admire me, to make me feel, feel better, to feel bigger, whatever that is. Where does this come from, right? This pride of life. This is a desire to gain the honor of men and women rather than the honor of God. That's really important. It's the desire, you look at people, I want them to view me in a certain way rather than I want God to see me in a certain way. I want to glorify him. No, I want you to look at me. John 12, 43, Jesus warns, he says, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Man, that is such a temptation. Why is it that right now around the world in, in mainly Western society, there are certain things that are so untrue, but people are just Swallowing hook, line, and sinker. The, the idea that a man can be pregnant. Like, that's a thing being debated on the Senate floor. What? Uh, right? Why is that a thing? Because it's popular right now. Right? If you, if you go that way, there's a whole big group that's going to go, yes, give you honor. Yes, you're part of the in crowd. But it, you look at nature, it's like, this just doesn't make any sense. We can be so deceived when we want the honor of men and women. Social media feeds this. Doesn't it? Right? I want people to view me in a certain way, so I'm going to post whatever it is. Right? Here's my perfect family. Here's my cool car. What, look at my vacation that I just had. Don't you wish you had a vacation like this one? Right? <laughs> uh, it, somebody goes out and loses 40 pounds and then, and then puts a picture of themselves in a bikini online. Look at me. Look at what I did. I want you to honor me. I'm this would be a woman, hopefully, there. Um, but, but, but men do that too. Right? We post it. Look at me. The boastful pride of life. Again, where do we spend our money? I think of that Bronco. I can look at that Bronco. I, I want that, all right? I'm going to get it because it's fun, right? There's the lust of my flesh. I want to go drive it, whatever, but I can't afford it, so that would be bad stewardship. Or I want that so you look at me and go, he's got that cool thing. He must be doing well, right? right? There's different reasons for even wanting the same thing. That's why he's given us our, our heart motives. What do we love? Do we love what people think of us? Right? We buy things we don't need. Maybe you've heard this. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. <laughs> Isn't that true? Right? The kids, why, why do our teenagers want the, the newest iPhone? That, it doesn't do anything different than the one before, probably. I, 
Because look at me, look what I got. You know, send them with a flip phone. What are they going to do? They're going to hide it, <laughs> right? I want people to see this, right? Or, or they really want the new LA gear pumps. No, that was me when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> right, but there's always those things, right? What, what do we want? So people look at us. Now let's get to the point. Let's get real. Why do these things draw us away? What can we do about it? What's the danger? There's a couple dangers. The first danger is it could keep people from God altogether. Nope, those things will fulfill me and satisfy me. No. Verse 17, all this is passing away. The world is passing away. There's going to be a new one, but this one is passing away. Don't let it deceive you, right? There's a God who loves you. Jesus died on the cross, saved you because he wants you and his family. Don't let these things lead you astray, right? And then for the believer, stop it, right? We can't lose our salvation. If you've fallen in love with Jesus, you belong to him, you belong to him. You can't lose it. This isn't works-based. But you can live a wasted life. Oh, that sounds awful to me, right? I want to stand before Jesus and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We can, we can lose out. He can sap our joy. I'm not, we will sap our joy. If we follow these loves, we will miss out on the joys that God has for us. Here's some important points. Think about this. This happens slowly. For the believer, often this happens slowly. Like we tease ourselves with a little bit and then we move deeper and we, we move deeper. It seduces us. And as this happens, we start to lose our enjoyment of God's things, right? We love God. Maybe you remember falling in love with Jesus. You enjoyed church. You enjoyed worshiping. You enjoyed opening your Bible, right? You enjoyed prayer and these things. But as you start getting in, you're like, ah, the Bible's boring, right? I, I don't want to be with God's people. And here's the problem. It's not God's people. It's you looking in the wrong way. When you're loving the world, God's people are unfulfilling, Y'all are. When I want the world, I don't want you. The, but here's the thing. When we abide tightly to Jesus' love, these things do fulfill. We don't want to miss on a Sunday because God's here. We get to worship. We, we don't want to miss out on group because we get to do life together. I don't want to miss out on my time in God's word because this is the food I need, right? The spiritual meal I need. But as we start following the world, these things get boring, mundane. Oh, they, it just doesn't fulfill me. It's not doing anything for me. Praying becomes a chore, right? Worship a waste of time. I could go to church or I could sleep in, right? Or I could go to the lake or whatever. And I'm not saying you have to be here every That's not my point. But as time goes on, we start choosing the things of the world more and more, right? In James 4.4, he warns us about friendship with the world, right? You can't be friends with God and friends with the world. Romans 12.1 and 2 Paul gives us the warning. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We, all the writers seem to give us these same warnings, these good fathers, these good mothers, right, giving us instruction. Do not be seduced by the world. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one 31 to 32, this is our last verse. It says, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. I love that verse. Hear this again. He's, he's saying we should judge ourselves accurately. We should look at ourselves, right? What do we love? Let's be honest. Let's get real. Because if we judge ourselves accurately and we see where we're off, the Lord can discipline us. If we belong to him, he can discipline us to lead us his way. That's a good thing, right? Parents, when you discipline your kids to, to make them go in a way that's better for them, that's good. But the person that is not disciplined by God is one who does not belong to him and who will be condemned with the rest of the world. When Jesus comes to judgment, it's called the great white throne judgment. There will be a book opened, and those who do not belong to him will be judged for their works and condemned. 
And he's saying here, we want to avoid that. And the way we avoid that is by clinging and abiding to our love in Jesus as proof that we belong to him. So listen to that verse again. If we judged ourselves truly, get real, we would not be judged, right? If we judge ourselves truly and we align with him, God will not judge us for our sins because he already judged our sins on Jesus. Jesus already took it. We will not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. That's what happens with the believer so that we may not be condemned with the world. Again, we have an encouragement here for the believer, right? A good parent saying, go this way. But also we have a warning, a warning, abide in Christ's day. And for the one who does not know him yet, here's the warning and the invitation, come to me. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Jesus' invitation. And as we abide in his love, that burden gets lighter and lighter. That peace grows, that joy grows. And again, the prize, verse 17, is eternal. Namely, that prize is Jesus himself. We'll be with him forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the warnings. Um, God, we live in a world right now that, that we really just want to accept everything. Everything's okay. Believe what you want. You define what is true. Um, but truth is true. There is such a thing as truth. And Jesus, you are the only way, the only truth, the only life. I thank you for these warnings. God, I ask for all of us in this room, me included, that right now as we move to take the Lord's Supper, we would examine our hearts truly. We would honestly compare the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. Are those things that I love? Do I love the world? God, Holy Spirit, help us to be honest and, and either give us encouragement. No, maybe I'm struggling with something, but I, I love Jesus. Give us that encouragement or show us some areas where no, this love is tempting me. Maybe I'm starting down the wrong road and you can bring us back before we get too far. Maybe we're too far. And Holy Spirit, we need your power to come in and grab us and pull us close to you. I pray that you would do that right now, today. And for the person who says, I have loved the world my whole life, and it's not fulfilled. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I want what's true. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would come speak to me or speak to somebody else and say, what does it mean to know Jesus as Lord? What does it mean to experience this true life? In Jesus' name. We're going to take the Lord's Supper now. We have three stations, one here, one here, and one here. This is for those who are believers, right? Nobody's looking around and judging. This is for you if you have confessed that you believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. We do this to remember his death. The blood is to remember, or the, the wine is to remember his blood. The bread is to remember his body. Looking forward to his return because he is coming back. And we're also instructed before we do this to examine ourselves. Just like we saw, examine our loves be willing to confess to him, right? And release those things and then come take the Lord's Supper in joy and thanksgiving for what he has done. I'm gonna be in the back. And if you look at this and you go, I don't know him, come talk to me. If you have questions, I'm not gonna pressure you to make a decision right now. Well, I might. Um, but I wanna help you think through that. I'm gonna be available. Or something that's come to mind and you just wanna pray, come talk to me. I'm gonna be in the back, that side of the building, right, right back there. Um, for the rest of us, as you're ready, come take the Lord's Supper. Thank you.